Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance and the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostolate Gadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Beloved Church of God, may the peace of God rule in our hearts to which we are called to in one body and may we be in brotherly love with one another according to the times and signs in this psalm which we just sang. We are living in that specific time. There are always certain elements of the end times present, but today we have such a time. And we together are being observant so that the peace of God rules in our hearts, so that we do not stumble. Therefore, we thank God that He is faithful to His word for His saints. The place of Scripture, Matthew, Chapter 5, verses 45 through 48. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise unto the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And therefore, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Allow me, as in our previous service, to begin from this place of Scripture and to continue further the next topic that we are covering on Fridays, the right to set aside the former way of life of the old man. And this is us being called to perfection that we are going to talk about right now. And I looked at certain conditions which today have again become more important so we can come to this perfection. For the Lord Jesus, as the head of the church, has spoken the words that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. And he released these words, this word, this living word, which during all times is heard. And this was his will, the will of the Heavenly Father. And he had spoken it. And he says, and so what shall we do? 
Therefore, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. And therefore, our role is we use our will. This is a commandment. And we strive to fulfill it to this day and even further. This promised commandment written in the Gospel of Matthew and presented to us in the series of sermons of Pastor Arkady. This is the inheritance of all saints of all times. And it is addressed by Christ to his disciples. And so people that do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. There were disciples of all times, and there were many that were called who had departed from the payment of that price in that time which they had to have paid it. And it is likely not that they will have a chance again. We learn to study the righteousness of God in the heart of a person that is expressed in the ability to clothe our essence to the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. These are also commandment statutes about how do we fulfill this through the apostles and his helpers and in the church we hear how, when, at what time, accepting revelation of the promise, how the Lord helps us to fulfill it. Based on these words, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition. If the selective love of God is going to dwell in our hearts, and if we are clothed in the selective love of God, and the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues. And we, for quite some time now, have been hearing, have been hearing uh, this topic, which we can listen to so that we can deeper delve into the revelations of God, that the character of the selective love of God is in seven unearthly virtues. Unearthly means heavenly, and those that are essential or evident in God himself. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and in brotherly love, the love of God, agape. Each of the seven virtues of the fruit of virtue contains in itself the characteristics of all other virtues. Because they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and verify the authenticity of one another. These virtues are the moral perfections and standards that are inherent to the essence of God, that are granted to us through Christ, which we are called to be enriched with. And to enter into the inheritance of these virtues is possible only through the acceptance of the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life, the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. It is through the inheritance of these great and precious promises that we are made, again process, we are made partakers of God's essence. 
the selective love of God expressed in seven unearthly virtues and characteristics has nothing in common and cannot have anything in common with the nature of tolerant human love that is filled with selfishness, blemishes, and inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant love of man, the selective love of God differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence, His wisdom, which in no way can be used in blemished and selfish purposes of man. And here I think many will agree with this, even just logical people who don't know the Lord, but who, according to their intellectual cultivation, if they are honest in themselves, then they understand that there is nothing good that lives in them. They might show an appearance as such, and this is taught in politics as well, and this is done in politics, to show through appearance as if everything is good. They learn how to behave, what can be said, what can't be said in order to move further in their political career or in other, other kind of institutes. Therefore, this tolerant human love, any reasonable person will, be, will understand that it is impossible, impossible to compare it with the love of God, agape, which we study, understand, which we have accepted in our heart. And these seven unearthly virtues, again, we come to this formula. It is the power of the selective love of God, meaning in the power of the Holy Spirit in collaboration with our spirit, in the format of these seven unearthly virtues, is called to destroy the power of death in our body and in its place, to reign the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and to clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man born from God in righteousness and holiness of truth and this is possible given that the Heavenly Father through His Church by the power of the Holy Spirit gives these promises to the Church and this is possible. It is possible for those that have been born of God, who have undergone sufferings, who have undergone certain levels, and we stood in these levels only because we called out to the Lord, because we had an example, a person sent by God in the face of an apostle and his helpers. If we were to not have had this, we would not have been able to reach this day because many had fallen, many ran away. It's unfortunate, but this is their choice. And we shouldn't be too sorrowful. We forget what is behind and we strive toward what is ahead, toward our upward call in Christ Jesus. And especially today, specifically in this time, when the Heavenly Father through the head of the church, through the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle, has given such revelations for how to please God. This is a series of sermons that we have started to listen to, have listened to two of them, and will continue to listen to them. 
because the church, the chosen remnant, is ready to listen to this, to accept it very attentively. And if something is not understood, as we remember and we know, we place it into our heart on the golden table of showbreads to wait and to ponder upon this, to ponder upon that which we don't understand, as our pastor had told us. That which we don't understand, we ponder over. And then when the Lord uncovers it for us, we begin to understand, then we can begin to uh, reason. We reason over that which we understand. We can uh, reason over it and share it with others. And in the word reason, if we pay attention, at the end there's the word wait. So when we reason through reasoning over the word or through our understanding of the word that we have given, means that we have waited for it. When we hear the word, we grow, and we wait for its fulfillment, when it's God's fulfillment. But let's repeat in our hearts what these dignities talk about, these seven unearthly virtues, or these dignities of the selective love of God. We've established in church through the voice of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that each good, each good and source of good can come only from God. Again, this is so clear to us because we often hear about this. And of course, we don't understand when there's people that hear, but they don't understand it. Good comes from God. There's many places of Scripture that speak of this. And when Christ was asked, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, Why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. And this is the virtuous wife in the dignity of narrow gates, which we are found in. Here's where we see sermons, revelations that the Lord of, about what the Lord calls good. And in this love, it is called to give us knowledge. Knowledge that only God, Almighty, All-Knowing, Omnipresent, Patient, only he knows what good is. And he is patient and gives us time in the process to understand this and to grow. Therefore, we in knowledge have found out what is good or what God calls good, and we found out what evil is, because God has called this evil. And the self-control in us gives us the ability to select that which God calls good and to reject that which God views as evil. And sometimes it may seem to us that something that we think is good is in fact good, but this might not be so. It is the old man that casts these glances, but we've uh, been able to distinguish the old man and further on we will be continue to, to grow and to be able to understand and see his cunning works. The chosen must stand so firmly in the word that they do not allow the old man to sway them away from what God calls good. And therefore, in the patience of Christ, In this 
selective love of God, for the patience of Christ in us, is the ability to look at that which God calls good and to wait with hope for the fulfillment of what has been seen. And the discipline of godliness and the selective love of God is called to keep us undefiled from that which God calls evil so that we are not defiled by it. Children, keep yourselves from idols, writes John. As Pastor had said that an idol is always sin, but sin is not always an idol. With sin, each of us knows we fought with, we've overcome, and God does not call this an idol when a person fights with sin. It doesn't matter with what kind, but he s- simply despises it, fights with it, and overcomes it by the power of the Lord and through the proclamation of the faith of the heart. But an idol, an idol, as we've heard, can also be all of that which person places primary in relation to God. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit and something that is beloved, something that is in the family, and so forth. And therefore, in the discipline of godliness, it is called to keep ourselves undefiled from that which God views as evil and to hallow God in our hearts and in our souls. And brotherly love, finally, we show the love of God, agape, In brotherly love, we demonstrate the love of God, agape, which transfers us from death to life because we have loved our brethren. All those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, specifically brothers, not looking at each other's faces. We have been born of God. We also have grown this in us. Perhaps we might have it so that one person or another Perhaps we don't sympathize with or we don't like, but we have been taught to not look at this. This is the character of God in us that is brotherly love. And we make the decision to love our brothers with the love of God. And then we go from death to life. And if we perhaps have had some kind of thoughts against our brother or sister, We know that this is not from the new man, that this is from the old man. And we can immediately uh, see it because we clearly know the place of Scripture. He who despises his brother dwells in death. And how can this be so? There are people that can't bind the old man. They don't know about him. And they walk with this hatred in themselves. And they try to hide themselves with a form of godliness. And this can bring them to perdition because they don't have the man anointed by God. They don't have the church of God. And that's why we thank God that we do have this as his chosen remnants. But again, it is us here that have made the decision. We have used our will. God has foreknown us. That's why He gives us these promises, these revelations. With which we can continue to accept in our life and pay that price which the Lord has established. The price is high, very high. 
Шотландцев сбил на высоте 2.12. We have a high standard, a high level. And the allegory, or uh, as athletes, as they train to reach some kind of goal, some kind of medal, some kind of personal record, they use lots of time, lots of energy, but they take these heights, and then their, um, their, the level at which are their PR then rises and rises and rises. They pay this price. They refuse much in order to be able to uh, practice in these big competitions, and they have to sacrifice a lot and to reject a lot of things in order to achieve something. And this is in the earthly world. But this shows us that so we ought the much more and are much more capable of doing this, and we do this and we'll continue to do this. This is the introduction so that we can be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And we have conditions. We have this high level which over time rises the closer that we get to the triumphant and this victorious coming of Christ in order to reign our adopted body so that all our system organs from our head to the bottom of our feet could 100% be clothed and he prepares us of course for rapture I think this brings joy to all of us and strengthens us encourages us and motivates us to be vigilant and to dwell in prayer. Here is one of the conditions I've remembered that last time, one year ago, it was in May where we were here with our spouse. And one of the conditions, very important conditions that we heard about, about clothing in order to accept the words of the Father and to not resist correction we must learn to be corrected that when we are corrected at the beginning it will be unpleasant but we need to humble ourselves in such a way that we are taught to accept correction i'm talking about myself first and foremost and those as i who desire this as king david he said let the righteous correct me and therefore we will look at these six steps quickly and continue on further. My son, this, this is a proverb, Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. My son, if you, if you receive my words, here's the condition, and treasure my commands within you, that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And in looking in these words, we at that time, this was 2018, we talked about the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ, where the Lord prepares the soil of our heart to hearing the preached word of God and the words of our Father, the words of our Father, which are expressed in six sequential steps. And if we follow these, we have heard them, we have heard them, but we must follow them. 
And first, this is us needing to know our Father. Step one. Yes, we know this is our Apostle, Father, Teacher, Brother, Arkadi. We must know, but, and this is good, but this is not enough. We need to make the decision to accept the words of our Father. We're verifying in ourselves, yes, I have this. Many have this. And the voluntary and desired decision relates to the soul, the soul that is comprised of our mind, will, and emotions. Third, this is to apply energy to keep the words of our Father so that devil or the enemy do not steal these words, these revelations. These revelations, we must utilize strength and energy to keep these words, to apply effort. Fourth, we must incline our heart to ponder over the words of our Father, to call upon the revelations of the words of our Father, and turn to the mind of our Father. To the mind or to the understanding of our Father, our Apostle, the knowledge of God, the person sent by God, the one sent by God, when he has a church or several churches, he has a renewed mind already, and we must turn to this renewed mind, because out of the heart the Holy Spirit gives revelation, and through a renewed mind and through the lips of an Apostle and his helpers, we can hear them and accept them and desire them. And in each of these six steps, there is present the element and format of being clothed. This is the condition and the necessary part. Perhaps at first we don't understand it quite well when we are on such a spiritual level, but when we grow, we begin to understand that there are certain levels and moment that without the instruction of the Father and His helpers, we can't move on further. Even King David himself had need of correction through the prophet Jonathan. And therefore I observe that in that service that I am found in and that I am here with you, that this occurs. And firstly, of course, when the Lord through the word corrects us and our conscience cleansed of dead works which we with the cross of the Lord Jesus died to our nation meaning we're not dependent on our nation and the house of our father and our corrupt desires we begin to understand and our conscience that is cleansed we ourselves can see where we can be corrected we need help from the Lord through the fivefold ministry. And there are certain places of Scripture. Let the righteous correct me, Psalms 141, verse 5. It shall be mercy. Let him rebuke me. It shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. For still my prayer is against the deeds of the wicked, Psalms 141, verse 5. Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to counsel and receive instruction, that you may be wise in your latter days. Proverbs 10.17 He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. I charge you therefore, writes Apostle Paul to his son uh, Timothy, who also as a result became an apostle, 
he had learned and when Apostle Paul had said I will become a sacrifice and the Lord had called him away then Timothy and Titus they continued to his work and that's why he wrote these words these two passages are called the letter of Apostle Paul to the pastors and when we read them we can understand that on pastors apostle having helpers pastors there is a kind of responsibility placed so that all that is written there to strive to fulfill it and to not grow weak but in meekness with a bridled tongue to fulfill this and the Holy Spirit helps in this therefore Apostle Paul writes I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be ready in season and out of season convince rebuke exhort with all long-suffering and teaching He says, I charge you, I charge you that you fulfill your ministry in this commandment. Therefore, we must with respect act towards these ministers who are placed and given the responsibility to fulfill these statutes and commands of the Lord. And this is not to say that it's easy to do so. We must also be taught in this and be exercised in this. Titus 1.13, this testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply. Rebuke them sharply, sharply, strictly, to yell? No. Uh, It is written, Jesus, in severity or in strictness, he had spoken the word, and a person can accept this upon himself that he may be sound in the faith. Titus 1.13. Those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. 1 Timothy 5.20 There are moments when before the whole church we must speak not naming names that in our church we have this occurring. Let's uphold the ministry of justification and this person will will find out, will know that this defiles the church and it's necessary to use the time in order to help in prayer if brother or sister want to be rid of this then there will always be this help therefore those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear and as an exception to the rule we have also heard before what Pastor, name names and say, you may no longer speak and greet these people. And I know that myself and you were in such situations, and we strive to fulfill this. Titus 2.15, speak these things, exhort, and correct with all authority. Let no one despise you. God grants authority. Christ said when he left this earth, he said, I am given all authority in heaven and on the earth. Therefore, all that happens, the Lord says, 
Heavenly Father has given me the authority. I control the situation in heaven and on the earth. Nothing will occur without my knowledge. Nothing will happen. There is no situation that would happen in which the Lord does not know it to happen. But Christ says, I am given all authority in heaven and on the earth and was lifted up to heaven. And he gave this authority to the apostles and to the fivefold ministry. First, he had selected. And from Luke chapter 10, he said, After these things, the Lord had selected other 70 and sent them in each city where he himself wanted to go. And when they returned and rejoiced in the Lord, it says, Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Behold, I give to you the authority to trample on the serpent and scorpion and on all the power of the enemy. But today he also gives us authority to step and trample. I had understood this deeper and greater one time. I understood that I am given the authority to step on all the power of the enemy only in my boundaries and my responsibility for those people which the Lord has entrusted. So that I, with this authority, wherever I may go, that I don't end up in problem within the boundaries of responsibility. This is given to cell group leaders. What kind of authority? The, the ministry of justification. We, like a lion, protect the holy uh, people, members of the church, doesn't matter. Who? I trample in the name of Jesus Christ. I have the authority and I trample on this enemy. This must be learned, taught this to observe so that there is no overstepping of boundaries and so forth. There is a lot of other places about correction and Revelation 3.19 whom I love, as many as I love, I correct and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And therefore, be zealous and repent. When I repent, the Lord says, I did not impute to you. As soon as you take your words back, as soon as you don't agree with what you have done or what you have said, the Lord does not impute. But the one who blames, he can judge us. And here we must distinguish if at home or at work before a service we've understood that something is not right we don't agree with it we take our words back then we must know and pastor always reminds us about this that then we need to realize that We don't agree with this and we repented and the Lord says, be zealous and repent if we hear correct, if we hear correction. As many as I love, Revelation 3.19 says, as many as I love, 
I desire with love to correct and to chasten. It, this might be painful, it won't be deadly, because the old man brings upon this pain, but this is a healing love, and it passes, and this too shall pass, we, we say these words. And as Apostle says, and has said, that the Lord sometimes withholds blessing when we have not yet humbled our neck, when our neck is stiff. But behind all this stands the Lord and will help. And furthermore, the condition that you may be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect, there is also another condition of sermons on Friday, which we do continually to pay our attention to it. The Lord has made it so that on Sundays we have the topic called to perfection, on Fridays the right to set aside the former way of life, and on Tuesdays our brothers the waters work here with that material that was already uh, has already spoken in repetition. And we thank God that this is a blessed service and will continue. Therefore, this is the condition. On Friday services, we learn a lot how the Lord, through His name strength, magnifies His word in us, in our spirit which already knows this word and magnifying it in our spirit in such a way that we are able to boldly come to the name of God, fortress, and weigh ourselves on the scales of justice. In our spirit, in our temple, redeemed temple, the word of God, the Lord has magnified. But he observes this word so that it may soon be fulfilled and fulfilled in time through the faith of our heart and through our proclamation. And of course, in the name of God, deliver. And as we also are studying right now on Fridays, Lord is my strength, in Him I will trust. And therefore, this right to set aside the former way of life of the old man, it is the legal right for such a person that has made the decision, consciously understanding it, and then this help comes through the power of the Holy Spirit with the help of the angels, the church, prayer for one another, and so forth. And the means for clothing ourselves in the powers of our new man is the weapon of prayer because the genesis of prayer is the genesis of God because it was always present there where God dwells. Prayer is the language of God, the means given to us by God, and the legal right to have fellowship with God. That is why the just status of prayer belonged exclusively to those people that were clothed in the dignity and status of priests to enter into the presence of God in order to present the right and interests of God expressed in God's will, the will of God, the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect. This is His will, and therefore the means for this is prayer, and this is the language of God. And a question was asked a few days ago, as I also heard, why 
why, why does it say that God starts prayer and ends prayer? And our pastor, brother, God, you remind us that when we begin to pray according to Scripture, take the words of prayer and come, says the Lord, then when we come to prayer and start with Scripture, then God has begun this prayer because these are His words, these are His prayer words. And He ends this prayer when we also end prayer according to the will of God. When we end this prayer, the Lord has begun prayer through our heart and has concluded it. But if we continue on, not according to the will of God, the Lord says, well, this is not it. And we learn so that we pray in the correct way. Therefore, prayer is begun by God and ends by God according to His word. And also with what re- what relates to His time so that we do not run ahead of the Apostle. As is said, don't run in front of the train and show it where to go. It has its rails, it has its direction. Furthermore, prayer, as we remember, must be consistent with boldness, with perseverance, with diligence, with reverence, with showing the faith of the heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord and in the Holy Spirit. Now, as we remember, consistency in prayer, the antonym is inconsistency or unfaithfulness. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continual is unceasing, faithful, eternal, unchanging in its habits and in what it is tied to. A continual prayer is the constant upholding of the fire of God in our spirit or the constant relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is not... Uh, separated by sin. Quickly, perseverance in prayer, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their soul, with all perseverance, and he was found by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. When the Lord allows us to find him, the Lord makes rest around us. Same thing as when King David when he led many armies, when he spilled much of the blood, and when his son Solomon stood to reign, the Lord comforted all the people through the fulfillment of the will of God. Perseverance is a strong desire to find God or to know God. And of course, the antonym of perseverance is resistance. The old man always demonstrates his position in resistance. And the old man, I think we have learned to distinguish all the more greatly according to that multitude of sermons for over many years that come from this place, from the person sent by God. And we learn to distinguish this. And there's perseverance in the new man. Perseverance is also the obedience to the words of the Apostle. Zechariah 6.15 And you will know, says the prophet, that the Lord of hosts had sent me. And this is going to be that if you will perseveringly hear the voice of the Lord your God, 
meaning when we listen to the sermon with perseverance and the voice of God through the messenger, we begin to know this voice all the more. In this the Lord tells us through His messenger. Diligence in prayer is that effort which is born through perseverance in which a person uses all of his power and, and, and methods or rather all of his energy to achieve the prayer goal that is placed before him by God in order to achieve that goal or figuratively that level to pay that specific price and to exercise and take up those heights and to cold or rather to save that height placed for us by God and so the antonym of this is laziness which again we see is in the old man in scripture the definition of diligence is in prayer battle in which we overcome the barriers in prayer through diligence we see this diligence present in the garden of Gethsemane this is the peak when the Lord Jesus Christ had showed in diligence many other prophets and kings had shown this all shown this quality also but the Son of God in the this garden this is such a great example given and we will read about it he cried out father if it is your will take this cup away from me nevertheless not my will but yours be done then an angel appeared to him from heaven when he made the decision strengthening him and being in agony being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Luke chapter 22 verses 42 through 44 an example of diligence and he had fulfilled this and he paid that price and raised for our justification and he gives this to us in this process. And last time also Acts chapter 12 verses 5 through 7. I read this whole chapter in the morning as well. What had happened, how Peter was found in the prison. And so, diligence in prayer gives or is gives God the right to answer our prayer through the fruit of the spirit through therapy this praises God and it forces us to have patience and give us the spiritual level and the Lord boasted of his people devil couldn't even break job And this we see is what happens during the pastor says that the Lord places these afflictions on the head, but we all suffer together with regard to what's been happening over the last 12 months. But the head carries all of it. The head of our church, Immovable Foundation Church, our apostle, whom we know for many years now, and we know 
how God from his youth, from his childhood, has disciplined him and has brought him to this service. And so Peter was therefore kept in prison, but diligent prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and delight shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Arise quickly, and supernaturally the chains fell off his hands. And furthermore, the angel says, Be clothed, and the gates had opened up on their own. And these components of con- continuity in prayer, perseverance, and diligence, they bring us to boldness. And boldness, as we know, is courage. It is courage in our relationship with God. And boldness in scriptures highlighted in prayer as a commandment, as a necessary military order, non-fulfillment of which results in death or destruction of relations with God, which is equal to death. And our brothers have talked about this, and we repeat, boldness is a kind of character of a warrior prayer. And the word boldness in Hebrew has a fateful meaning, from gaining which will be given eternal life, and from the lack of which is meant eternal perdition. And boldness is openness in relations with God. The new man wants to have these close relations with God as with the Father. And this being able to uncover where the problem is, I want to remove it, I despise this, I resist this. This is courage and hope in God. It is from trust in God and His Word. It is a testimony of knowledge and respect toward God. It is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. It is the expression of the revelation of righteousness gained in redemption. It is the right founded on righteousness gained in the blood of Jesus, uniting with the truth of the cross of Christ, the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ. And it is the energy of a person that who is cleansed by the fire of the Holy Spirit from the impurities of the flesh. This is where we see that we are cleansed from the vain life of our forefathers. And this is also holiness demonstrated in works of righteousness. Boldness in prayer is a presence in the heart of a person of the legal right to have that which we ask of God. Diligence in prayer, or rather boldness in prayer, uh, Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Based on scripture, great boldness in faith is the highest level. It is a certain spiritual rank or the highest rank, or the highest calling in the hierarchy of the body of Christ before God and His angels, the highest level of obedience. This is a certain spiritual rank, the highest level and the highest calling in the hierarchy of the body of Christ. Boldness and prayer is a definition of not that which we feel, but the definition of what we know which is found not in the sphere of our feelings, but is found in the sphere of our knowledge. Ephesians 
in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. And according to these words, we can conclude that boldness is not that which we feel because feelings can be deceiving. But this faith, apart from our feelings, is knowledge of that information that already is and has come to us through hearing the word of God. The emotional organ is the image of a horse, whereas the informational organ is the image of the mind of Christ that is called to be found in our spirit through which God can give us His will. And Pastor has wrote that it's very dangerous when the horse leads us. When the horse doesn't like something, it can throw us off. Therefore, we are vigilant here. If he casts us off, we have, or he throws us off, we have the ability to uh, climb back up. And thus, we learn and are taught to control our emotions. And therefore, boldness in prayer is a kind of order when the informational organ rules over and submits to itself the emotional organ. We have heard about this many times, and repetition, it helps and it strengthens and is rooted in our heart as like a hammer and a chisel. And then when we go through certain tests or certain trials that we can train, how we are able to control our emotional organ because to bridle the horse, a wild horse, there's time that is necessary. He is not going to submit right away. There's time that's needed. Figuratively, again, this relates to us. According to scripture, this one uh, politician says, their feelings of emotions are not called to affect our decisions. It's interesting. They have a shame to be able to acknowledge Scripture. And they don't acknowledge this. There are those that know some portion of the truth, but again, don't acknowledge it, and they don't have an apostle. The chosen remnant of God is gaining such strength that we heard that there is going to be such things happening and many will repent because they will see the power of the Holy Spirit. They will see righteousness. We are at the doorstep as our beloved brother Arkadi says that we are very close to this. And he gives such an example to us how we in certain situations, circumstances, how we must endure with patience. This is an example. Therefore, feelings and emotions are not called to affect the quality of our decisions. But we must go to the Lord, proclaim, to forbid the enemy, to proclaim the faith of our heart, to pray in tongues, and so forth. We must make decisions, again, that are based on Holy Scripture. What is the purpose of boldness? What price is necessary to pay? What is good service to God defined as? And we will go on. I think our brothers, if they are showing, uh, we looked at this 
uh, during a previous service, but we need to move on a little bit further. Having boldness, and we are going to have success. How does the Holy Spirit place us in Christ? For us to have boldness, we will just remember that when we are born from God, Christ does not yet live in us, but we receive the seed of salvation, and then there is the process of growth. But when we grow, the character of Christ begins to be revealed in our new man. And here, we look at how the Holy Spirit places us in Christ. When we accept the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life, then He, through His Urim, so through Revelation, will teach us to dwell in the boundaries of our Thumim, so the truth in the heart. And when we pray and ask Christ to allow, when we pray in the face of the Holy Spirit, when we ask Christ to represent our interests on the basis of scripture what does it mean to dwell in him to dwell in him is to not avenge for ourselves someone asks you are in christ we are in christ yes we know this place of scripture what does it mean to dwell in him here the apostle gave a specific definition it is when christ is in us and we in christ when we are responsible for Him, when we when He is in us, and we are in, He is responsible for us when we are in Him. To dwell in Him means to not avenge for ourselves, to not avenge for ourselves, but to give place to the wrath of God, so we can honor God as the supreme judge, honor Him as supreme judge, because He had spoken in Romans twelve twenty one, "Do not avenge for yourselves." My beloved, we must also learn of this because the old man, either through our thoughts, our emotions, tries to uh, avenge. But we say, Lord, you are my protection, you are my shield. We give place to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. We don't hurry to avenge for ourselves. And therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. And we know that the enemies are not those wicked, lawless, which have left the church. With them we have nothing in common with. And even in passing, as sometimes happens very rarely, in a store, on the road, we see somebody. Uh, we make we make it visible so we don't see them. And I was driving a bus, uh, what happened? Uh, driving a bus in the morning. I stopped at a stop. There were teachers and students that had went in. There was a small city in Germany, uh, not far away from where we live. And there is also a bus, like a construction bus. I thought he would stop and he's going to ask me how to go to a certain construction site. And there were people that entered my bus. And sometimes this happens where I open my window, he smiles and stretches his hand out to me. And I didn't notice him right away. And as soon as I wanted to greet him, I took my hand back and said, what do you mean? He with a smile says, and then all of a sudden he grew very angry and he drove off. But when I, I don't want to name him, 
he is not even worthy for his name to be called out because he was actually here. This was about over 10 years ago. And still he had um, communicated with you, communicated with pastor, but yet left the church. What kind of greeting can there be? We do not avenge for ourselves. As the Lord says in his word, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Meaning those that don't yet know God or our household and so forth. We're not talking about those that knew the Lord, that were in, that was members of a church in the church and left it. And doing these, We will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The next price is defined as the offering of the fruit of the Spirit. Luke 8, 43-48. And here is an, actually that place of scripture that the Holy Spirit gave to our Apostle right now. What is talked about during the sermon about how to please God. When he went, the woman surrounded him. And the woman suffering for the flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians. Here, it's talking about physicians here. She spent all her livelihood on physicians that could not be healed by any. She came from behind and touched the board of his garment. Immediately, her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you. And you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. In this event is presented not the gift of faith, but the fruit of faith. To speak in her heart, if I only touch her garment, I will be healthy. It is necessary to have the fruit of faith for this. The fruit of faith is found in us, but the gift of faith is found from the giver, the Holy Spirit. He gives these gifts. Whom he wants or finds necessary, him he heals. question arises, what is the uniqueness then of the fruit of faith? The uniqueness is the fact that a person doesn't ask for healing, but he comes to Jesus and takes it when he grows fruit. The Lord cares for us to grow this fruit, and through this fruit and through therapy, he is going to heal through the proclamation of the faith of our heart. And boldness is a result of the fruit of our spirit, this is the legal right to have that which we ask of God. The legal right through growing our fruit. Then we have this and we know that the Lord wants this. We, he wants this. We know this. And then we continue to grow so that the time could come and we could take this when the Lord gives it to us. This is the result of our fruit of our spirit without which we do not appear before the face of the Lord. A tree that does not bring fruit is cut up and thrown in the fire. 
And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, therefore every inch which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew 3.10 How do we keep in our prayer and cultivate this boldness? Here's also an important question and an answer right away here. How do we, in our prayer, cultivate and keep keep and cultivate our already boldness in faith, which is already present in the in the new man? Boldness is the energy, keeping which is equal to keeping the fire in the lamp of our spirit. And to keep this boldness is possible only one way when we cultivate the level of our dwelling in trials with Christ. Only one way, by dwelling in trials with Christ, sufferings with Christ, many afflictions are of the righteous. And then we see that we are able to keep and cultivate our level of boldness in Christ by gathering with Him those territories that belong to us but are still found in the control of our enemy. And here from Luke chapter 11, verses 21 through 26, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. When he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes him with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. When people don't fill their hearts with the teaching of Jesus Christ, why is it worse for him to have, why is it better for him to have not known in the first place? Because if a person knows the Lord and then turns away from him, his condemnation will be greater and he will be tormented even more than that person that didn't know the Lord but just was an unbeliever. Yes, he will perish. He didn't accept the good news. He didn't accept Christ. He will perish and be judged by his works. But it is written here, it would have been better for him not to have even known. And if I say this incorrectly, may uh, our father, Apostle Arkady, correct me in this. To gather with Christ or to cultivate the level of our boldness and faith, it is necessary to allow Christ in the face of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, not on the rights or as our guest, but on the rights of Lord and Master of our home. But Christ as Son over His own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the boldness and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Upon the presence of great boldness in faith, this great boldness in faith, this great boldness in faith on the basis of the blood of Christ, we have the right to come to the Lord. This is 
the great boldness when we were during our previous services talked about how when we faithfully fulfill the service entrusted to us then we have great boldness in faith and the great reward from the Lord because we serve the Lord with love and upon the presence of keeping the great boldness in faith we will never be shaken before the Lord in any situation of our life upon losses and gains Christ will be glorified. Philippians 1.20 According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. How do we verify in our heart if we lack boldness? A good question that was asked. How do we verify in our heart? The lack of boldness is that state when our heart condemns us on the basis of the law of truth that we have placed in it. So it condemns us, and this is according to the law, but we are justified. If we don't, in time, call back or repent, then we can, this condemnation is going to remain. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have boldness in God. Whenever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight, according to His will. On the presence of boldness and faith, any of our needs, any of our needs will pursue the interests of God, meaning we won't ask for that which does not coincide with the will of God. We, being immersed in the teaching, we understand and will understand all the more greater what is preached to the messengers of God about what is pleasing to the will of God, what we can ask for, and what we can, in this like-mindedness, ask for. Right now, we all together, and here in our head church in Portland, and in our other sister churches in Europe and Russia and so forth. We uh, ask and we pray for healing for our father, Arkady. And in this diligent prayer, we have found in this like-mindedness and in this unanimity, and this is the will of God. And pastor says, I partially know what this has happened for but not to the end when the Lord reveals it we will know and our apostle will give it to us and in these series of sermons I've noted for myself two we have already listened to how to please God Enoch who did not see death which was meant for all Enoch was able to bypass death Enoch gave birth to Methuselah, and for 300 years he had grown him, and he walked before God, growing in this full measure, and he practiced righteousness and judgment. In the full measure of the stature of Christ, we begin to all the more be able to practice justice and righteousness and pray in such a way that we condemn the wicked. It is through our lips, the lips of the church, the chosen remnant, the Lord is able to conduct this justice on the earth. May the wicked 
may their back be bent down forever. May they be... How is this so, people may ask, but this is written about in Scripture, and we with the Apostle in like-mindedness and in prayer and with our brothers that pray from this place, partake in this, and we to exercise in this way in unanimity and in prayer. And upon the presence of boldness and faith, any of our uh, need will follow the interests of God, it will meet the requirements of the will of God, it will be offered in the order of God, it will be offered in the necessary time, and it will be answered. This is what we talked about, boldness, and further on regarding reverence. We won't need to, but we look for boldness. We ensure that boldness does not turn into audacity. Therefore, right after boldness, we have reverence. Reverence and prayer is the expression of love, being filled with the fear of the Lord, expression of trembling, thanksgiving, carefulness, uh, respect, honor, weight. It's a whole list. And here we have the next component or character of a warrior of prayer that is inherent to us, to each of us in which we grow. And, of course, the final goal, the victorious goal, is to glorify God with our lips meaning to have bridled lips that are bridled, meek lips, bridled by the word of God in the boundaries of responsibility, in the boundaries of territory. And this brings us to pure, holy lips with which we praise God. Meekness is the ability to be bridled. This is one of the conditions, one of the final conditions. Enoch, when he had walked before God, this was a meek person. Because if he would not have had a meek tongue, bridled, pure, God would not have relocated him so that he would not have seen death. You will say it's not written there, but it is written in the Spirit because the Lord will not take him who has not bridled his lips with the meekness, with the meekness of his heart, so that they are pure. As uh, it is also written, I just want to cite this particular place of scripture. And then I will give to the people pure lips that all may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with like-mindedness. This means that some kings and priests had pure lips, and we have these pure lips because we call the inexistent as existent, and the Lord helps us in this, giving us time. And then says the Lord through the prophet, and then I will give to the people, to the chosen, lips that are pure. These are bridled lips, bridled with the word of God, and they become pure and holy. 
so that all may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him with pure lips. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear saints, may you be blessed in your prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again presented privilege to be in this place, to hear your word, to hear your living word and your moving word, which enters our hearts and judges the intentions and the thoughts of us. For all is uncovered before you. We thank you that we hear such a word that we are able to bridle our lips that they may be meek, pure, holy, and all in like-mindedness having one spirit with you, Lord. And so that we can pray according to Scripture and to be united with the prayer of the apostles and with all the saints which whom you have selected, your chosen ones. And we thank you for that word which you have prepared and will continue to pray for us on this place. We thank you that you uncover for us that Enoch was relocated in such a way that he did not see death. Although we read this, but when this was spoken by your messenger, by your apostle, then we understood this even better. And our renewed mind received this revelation through the intuition. And we are going to call upon your name with pure lips so that you can fulfill this, Lord. We thank you that you grow and will grow us in continual prayer. This is the Spirit of Christ, the character of Christ for warriors of prayer. And we thank you that, and ask that your good Spirit lead us into the land of righteousness. And for your name, Lord, you make alive the hearts of the contrite. May our soul be delivered from all enemies. For we are yours, Lord, and we have accepted this. This calling of being servants of the Lord, this highest level, our highest level of calling in Christ Jesus, for I am your servant, we say. We thank you, Lord, and may your mercy be blessed. May it be renewed and may it be magnified in your people and for your people. The works of devil, may they be as before, may they be discovered and subjected to shame. May your name be glorified, Lord, from this day all the more. And we proclaim with all the saints, Come now, Lord, and the Spirit and the Bride, in great patience and in joy, wait. Come now, Lord, and the Spirit and the Bride, come. 
And he who desires, let him take the water of life as a gift of grace in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the healing of our Apostle, Brother Arkadi. We thank you, Lord, that you know when this will happen. And we pray and ask, Lord, and thank you. May you commit this in your times, and we unite in prayer with all and rejoice. May your name be fulfilled, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I want to also pass it along our greetings who periodically call, write. They say, please greet the saints in the church of the city of Portland, which we all have a partaking to. Therefore, from uh, the German Germany churches, they greet you. From Russian churches, churches in Russia, may we all be blessed together. And so all together, and together we always, and together with you, proclaim the word of God in this manifestation that is unchanging. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy, to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>